The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Okay, John Gibbons is having a day off where we're delighted to be joined by Sive O'Neill, coordinator of the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition for our weekly Last Word in the Environment Spot. Sive, there was a debate in the United States last night between the Republican presidential hopefuls who aren't called Donald Trump and climate change did come up a little bit in their uh, debate on the television on Fox News. But I want to read to you a comment that was made by perhaps the frontrunner against Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's a biotech entrepreneur. And he said that more people are dying due to bad climate change policies than there are due to actual climate change. What do you make of that? Oh, well, I'm just so depressed by it. I mean, if anybody was looking to the United States to be the kind of climate policeman of the world, I think there's absolutely zero prospect of the Republican Party uh, doing anything constructive in global climate politics. And it's really quite uh, shocking. So the kind of discourse that they had, the kind of debate they had, where they all dodged the question, essentially, about whether or not they believed in climate change, is really um, a pattern of denial and delay. Uh, so it's not just a Trump problem. It's a problem throughout the Republican Party. And what's really disconcerting is that young conservatives um, in this article, um, about 73% of them that are under 40 do think that climate change is an extremely uh, or very somewhat serious issue. So essentially that the Republican Party has been bought by the fossil fuel industry. They're undermining the energy transition. Uh, there's absolutely zero evidence that climate action policies are causing people to die. Um, and, and at the same time, their own meteorologists are describing extreme weather events every other day this summer. So it's profoundly uh, depressing. But and, actually, even the fact know, that there was the question was put to them yes. as to whether... Uh, they believed climate change was real or not when the science shows it is real. You can have certain arguments, perhaps, as to mm. how much of it is caused by man's activity and behaviour. But that they were actually asked, is it real or not, is bizarre in itself. But what about Nikki Haley? She's a former UN ambassador. She did say climate change is real, but then she blamed it in India and China. Yes, so as part of this kind of pattern you hear coming from deniers, um, they heap the blame on other countries. So the typical one is, but what about China opening up, you know, uh, coal plants every other day? So the, the strategy is very well worked out. They claim it's not happening. It's not harmful. Blame the innocent. Blame the victims. And you're completely disconnected from the science. And they're also completely disconnected from their own voters. And of course, you know, if you're looking at the Republican Party, the likelihood is that Donald Trump will be the candidate. He's in his late 70s. Joe Biden is in his early 80s. You've got these two old men slugging it out to win the presidency. And neither of them uh, are kind of connected to the young people that are going to be experiencing the climate impacts. So there's, an, there's a generational problem, but there's also a problem with campaign financing, I think, in US politics, which, which is driving this um, disconnection and this weaponization of climate misinformation. Yeah, one of the other contenders, Tim Scott from South Carolina, uh, he actually blamed Africa. Now, as it happens, Africa may have one-fifth of the world's population, but it produces only about 3% of global greenhouse gas emissions Let's move on, though, because uh, what is happening in Japan in relation to radioactive water from the Fukushima disaster of well over a decade ago now at this stage? Well, Japan has started releasing into the ocean 
the first batch of more than a million tonnes of treated radioactive wastewater from the uh, Daiichi nuclear power plant that had an accident uh, all those years ago. And I don't even, it was 2011. Yeah. So all during that time, they have been using cooling water to keep the, um, c- to contain the, the, the nuclear fuel that's stored on site. Um, but of course, the plant was very badly damaged. So this water has been building up and building up and they've literally run out of space to store it. So now they're going to have to start releasing it into the ocean and they really have no option but to do that. They have no no further storage facilities. But the fear is that it's going to have environmental impacts and, uh, on, and fishermen are extremely concerned about it. And the people they sell their fish to are extremely concerned about it, including um, China. China's obviously criticised the plan as unsafe, maybe for their own reasons. Maybe they have a different interest in all of this. But it's very concerning because they do not seem to have any alternative options. OK, but the Fukushima disaster led to things like the Germans deciding to get rid of their own nuclear power plants. But it's been shown that one of the real problems for Germany in recent years in closing the last three nuclear power plants, they reopened coal plants and they've done greater damage to the environment in doing that. John Gibbons actually is a fan of nuclear energy as less damaging. What would your position at the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition be in relation to nuclear? We don't have a position on nuclear per se, but I would say is that I understand over 11,000 people died in this tsunami and nobody died as a result of the damage to the nuclear plant. So in a way, nuclear accidents attract a lot of focus and concern and anxiety. And sometimes that anxiety is misplaced. My personal view is that um, nuclear energy is both a technology and a policy. As a technology, it has its risks, it has its costs, it has its benefits. Uh, Where it already exists, I think in a climate crisis, you'd have to think very long and hard about shutting down a nuclear plant. And that was a debate that was held in Germany where, you know, the the environmental movement had been campaigning for such a long time to close those plants that even as the climate agenda started to creep up, they were reluctant to let go of that goal. Um, however, in other countries, you know, countries have, like Finland and I think Sweden have taken a different view and they're actually opening up new plants or extending the life of them. And there is an argument for that where nuclear already exists, but it won't fix Ireland's problems, so it but, can't but be done quickly at, enough. You know, you look at the G20 major economies, which have put more than a trillion dollars into fossil fuel subsidies despite their COP26 pledges. Well, it just shows you how we have a crisis uh, of leadership uh, in the global community. We ha- we're seeing a, a kind of a backlash politically and in media discourse. Um, we're seeing, you know, right-wing movements in many countries, you know, trying to push back against climate policies. And this is a time for leadership. And G20 are the global leaders, if you like, the economic leaders. And what's clear is that they are still invested in the fossil fuel industry and that they are not pulling back on those investments. Interestingly, a lot of that investment is actually flowing into the global south where resources are being bought by Western companies and sold onto the international markets. So I think for the next COP to have any chance of being serious about delivering on global climate action, we're going to have to see some really good language about phasing out fossil fuels, about ending these subsidies once and for all, and to deliver a timeline for that. And countries have been dodging that kind of language for years. Coming back to home, what do you make of the claim that's coming from the Irish Doctors for the Environment that political support for bus connects has been lukewarm and will lead to further delays of perhaps things not happening at all? 
Well, I think this is a very interesting development. Um, a lot of the active travel kind of campaigning has historically been done by groups of cyclists and pedestrians uh, campaigning for better facilities at a local level. But now increasingly we're seeing health experts getting on board. The Irish Doctors for the Environment uh, represent um, GPs and surgeons and consultants uh, with a range of different expertise. And they are becoming extremely vocal now about the need to ramp up our uh, delivery of, of, of active travel. That's like bike lanes, uh, more pedestrian facilities and bus connects. And they have observed that we see meetings, public meetings happening around the country where, you know, you have the usual kind of residence groups objecting to various proposals. And there's a pressure in the advance of the local elections for councillors and politicians to be caving into that pressure. So I think it's very timely that they've come out and and demanded more political leadership from our TDs and local representatives, because if these projects get delayed, then everybody loses out. These are projects that benefit everybody and they actually benefit um, everybody more than any kind of car-based development does because uh, everybody can use public transport and almost everybody can walk and cycle and they, they, the benefits of all of In that certain are... certain parts of the country because there are parts of the country where it's just never going to be economical is it to have public well, transport? Well you see we, we, we always end up talking about the most difficult spots to introduce public transport to. But the reality is Bus Connect is for cities. It's not for everywhere. I mean, rural transport is a whole other conversation. But but Bus Connect is about delivering high quality, frequent and affordable and reliable public transport uh, on a scale in Dublin, Cork and other cities as well. And there's just no argument against it unless you want to demolish entire cities and hand them over to cars forever because that's where we're going. The car dependency and the amount of land and uh, congestion that uh, cars are taking up is just um, it's just choking us. We have to leave it there. Sive O'Neill from the Stop Climate Chaos Coalition. Thank you so much for joining us for our weekly Last Word on the Environment. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-